Good morning, everyone. Nice and early on a Thursday morning for a bit of a breakfast chat. I don't know if we've got our breakfast on us, but um, Dom, Dan, Andy and me, congratulations for getting up early, jumping on a live video. Uh, no makeup done as well, I've heard. So <laughs> excited to get stuck into this. Obviously, we're going to talk about the budget. That goes without saying. And um, before we come to everyone, I just wanted to introduce who we've got here. So Andy from Mead New Homes is going to cover all things new homes related. He is known as the UK new homes legend. We've got Dom from The Money Guardian with more financial services experience than the age of Dan from Avocado <laughs> Property. Over 30 years in the game, Dom. So I'm looking forward to talking mortgages. Um, Dan's obviously one of the UK's top estate agents out there in the pink hoodie, um, doing his thing at the moment and basically selling everything they list in a short space of time with good creative um, marketing. And then myself, known as the best large eyebrowed estate agent in the in the globe, actually, I think the most recent <laughs> award was. So um, these guys definitely get me through. The budget, gents, I think is where we've got to start. But first of all, how are you, Dan? How are you getting on? Yeah, really good, really good. It's a nice early start, but uh, has been all week, and um, no, feeling great. I think the budget was exciting, and um, and the market has still been really positive. So I just feel positive every day. Anyway. <coughs> um, looking forward to chatting a bit about it this morning. Definitely, we're going to cover stamp duty. We're going to cover ninety five percent loan to value mortgages. We're going to cover the step. Talk about how it's going to impact new homes as well. So Andy, on that, how are you? How are you getting on? Yeah, good mate. Thanks. Uh, good morning. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, I think the budget was a. Uh, I wasn't surprised by. It. I think a lot of people were looking at a doom and gloom budget, but I was quite. Um, I wasn't surprised that he didn't take drastic steps on the basis that we're still getting out of where we are, and I think we still need a good four or five months for everybody to get themselves sorted out. So I think from a budget point of view, I think it was it was strong for the market, um, and it's strong for the for the for the. Um, the new build market as well with the the the, the ninety five percent mortgages. So, I think it's good news. We'll get stuck into that. We'll get stuck into that. It's going to be good. And Dom, how are you? Bright and early. I see the garden out there. Hopefully, yeah. we get some sun later on. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good, mate. I mean, I'm I'm an early riser anyway. I said this to Dan and Neil on our pub last night. This is bread and butter to me, or maybe I should say toast and butter. So uh, yeah, all good and busy, busy. You know this, and the the budget has. Just turned up the gas, I think, from my perspective. So I'm looking forward to it. We're, we're, we're looking forward to a big year. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you're watching now or if you're watching later, um, if you're watching live or later, <laughs> it doesn't matter, chuck some questions in the comments. We will get to them. Um, we've had a couple of general questions come through the website from, uh, from a plug on this yesterday. So we're going to get to those as well. But if you've got questions about anything relating to property, I know we're going to cover the budget fire them in the comments and we will be sure to pick them up and answer them. So I think the first place um, that we got to start, and we will get to the stamp duty and obviously what's happened there and our opinions on that. But I think the first place is just to give people a bit of an insight, Dom, into what the 95% loan to value um, government underwritten mortgage actually means. Because I know some people will have a take on it and I know you don't have the details yet, but just in layman's terms, you know, for the average Joe out there, what does that actually mean? It may, at its base level, it means that the government are, are underwriting lending where a borrower can only raise five percent deposit. 
So 95% loan to value loans, or put another way, where somebody's only got 5% of the property value to put down, um, those loans were pretty standard before pre-pandemic. And then obviously when it hit, there was a, a tightening in general of, of lending. Uh, we lost 90 for a good period of time. 90 is now back, but I think the government's recognised that you know, people need a little bit of help and they're, they're focusing particularly on renters. So uh, yeah, it basically means that first-time buyers and importantly current homeowners uh, can buy properties up to 600000 with a 5% deposit. So, Dom, I think last year what we saw was um, obviously a market makes a market and last year's market definitely meant first-time sellers, second-time sellers dominated the market. We were very yeah. much dominant in the in the middle markets, but we needed change to close at the top and we needed change to close at the bottom. And there was a lot of transactions where people were waiting to find or waiting to sell. The first-time buyer mortgage market is one that I'm always talking about because you've got to start at the bottom and level up you know that's how i work if i was a football manager i'd be jose Mourinho. i would i'd build the back line and work from there but i think the mortgage the mortgage market now is so different to where it was 10 weeks ago that even if people were looking <coughs> at the mortgage and they were a first-time buyer they've got a small deposit it's completely different now to where it was 10 12 weeks ago um, why do you think the banks have done that? Why do you think the banks have, have brought this confidence to the first-time buyers when they last year kind of almost pulled it away from them? The the difference has, has been creeping in over time, to be honest. So when they pulled them originally, it wasn't just nervousness. It was basically they were having to divert most of their resources into dealing with uh, mortgage payment holidays. So when that was announced, they, you know, it's like a bow wave of people wanting wanting to take a break on their mortgage. So they pulled out of it, and then you had a handful, you know, I'll say a handful nationwide. HSBC sort of stayed in the game. But as as that time has gone by, uh, as the UK and the world has got used to dealing with a pandemic, I suppose, you know, they, these are commercial organisations and they need to make money. So <clears throat> they've been slowly coming back, uh, and it's now a case of pretty much the, the mainstream lenders are all in at 90. The specialists are stuck at 85 because they're dealing in the, the adverse or near prime sector or self-employed and they've all got their own niche. But we are seeing competition coming back into the market. And, you know, this is all about keeping market share, really, from their perspective. And there's an appetite to lend, most definitely. So although they feel confident, they obviously want their version of market share. It's actually impacting the property market, I think quite significantly dan what what are you finding because you're working at all ends of the market but what are you finding the differences in the last 10 weeks to the 10 weeks prior you know the back end of last year versus the start of this year what are you finding in the property market i think i've seen we've seen where well, we have seen less properties come to the market so there's been less available um but the demand for the properties that have been on have still been really strong so I've still seen a level of confidence throughout the market of people wanting to buy. And, and that's knowing that at, at that point, stamp duty was coming to an end. And I think that's because yet there was more mortgage products available, wasn't there? The 10% deposit was was back in at the start of this year. Um, and good properties are still selling quite quickly. This is a lack of them for sale. And I think potentially from what we've heard over the last 24 hours is we'll get more, more availability and more stock coming to the market. So I think it's going to roll. That's what I've seen. I completely agree. It's been a, a, a much busier start to the year than I think what we all anticipated. And yeah. 
I think that there's confidence out there. People are obviously spending, want to move for various different reasons. There's different trends. Andy, Mr. Mead, yes. um, being asked to smile this morning by one of his uh, <laughs> one of his friends. He is a happy-go-lucky giant, I tell you. Um, I just find it really hard to smile. I just find I can't smile naturally unless I'm laughing. Well, I'll keep I'll keep you laughing, but let's talk <laughs> about. Um, Let's let's just jump in. I don't know. I'm talking more about spades in the ground. What are new homes developers doing at the moment for volume? What are we expecting to see over the next 18 months? Are they easing up on build? Are they speeding the process up, getting more build complete? Are they putting the brakes on new investment? What's kind of that people don't see on the portals? What's happening with the developers at the moment in general in terms of where we might be next year? with new homes are there going to be more on the market or are there going to be less personally i think there's going to be more there's a, there's a lot more over the last over the last eight months developers haven't really stopped they've got a lot of the big mainstream developers have got a lot of their own land banks that they've been dealing with um, i've obviously bought in he's gone there um but i'll keep going um a lot of the, the developers have got their own land banks that they're dealing with um, the planning applications and the planning process is a lot easier. Um, so I'm, I think that there's going to be as much, if not more properties, new build properties available end of this year, going into next year, going into 2023. Okay. It's interesting insight because it, it has an impact on people looking to sell at that market and especially people that have bought in those developments. I talked to a lot of people that have owned a new build for two or three years and their price and their moving circumstances, I think you might find this as well, Dan, in some of the new developments, are impacted by the new builds that are still being built as the second, third phase. Um, yeah. Let's talk stamp duty quickly, then. Let me just, so, sorry, sorry, let me just go back, so let me go back a step with, with the build. What I have found as well with builders that, that, that they are now designing their homes, flats, apartments, a lot more for home living. So... They're, they're, they've taken into consideration, which is quite bizarre for developers to move as quickly as they have done, because they're not um, usually as, as quick as and forefront of thinking, forward forward thinking, but a lot of them now have redesigned what they were building to incorporate um, home working with the technology they're putting into the home and the spaces. So I think it's going to be good for the market. I think we, that's, that's a really good point, actually, because new... New homes are not always the most ergonomically, practically designed, I don't think. And what actually is a fair point there, Andy, is when we were on site yesterday, obviously with a developer um, looking at a new site that's due to launch in the next couple of months. And literally on that moment, he pulled how something was going to be laid out from a bathroom to almost create more space for a home office as such or home office space. So that will be interesting to see, I guess, how new homes developers publicize those extra features because definitely this change of trends in the market is that happening in the mortgage world dom are you finding that surveyors are valuing garages higher than potentially where they were before are you finding surveyors are, are down valuing at all anywhere or are we pretty much easy on that is there there's got to be definitely more desktop valuations going on but are you finding a change in how the valuation process works at the moment or much of a muchness much good madness from my, from my perspective i think there might be regional variations because we've got a um uh there's an advisor working in the kent area uh, and there's been a bit of down valuation going on there but 
<clears throat> in truth, I haven't had a down value on a property since, certainly since before the pandemic. Uh, and the Rick, don't forget, the Rick surveyors all work to the latest guidance that comes out in the book, so to speak. Uh, and so, no, it, 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 the short answer is no. And they're not really looking at sort of garage space, home office space. It's just, you know, the, the, the value of the property based on the context of the of the, the wider market. Interesting. No, it's good. It's good to know. Uh, Lee's mentioned here about uh, so many sites stuck in planning. I think where people, I think where there's obviously focus in different areas at the moment, and and maybe there's going to be like you say, Andy, a, an influx of properties in the new build market coming to the world where those planning just gets ticked off very quickly when it comes refocused. But at the moment, a few stuck in. I think it's probably about time we get into stamp duty. And again, thanks for everyone that's watching. Good comments coming in. Um, no, Lee, I'm not a Spurs fan. Um, but if you've got a comment regarding stamp duty, property, mortgages, I'm definitely not a Spurs fan. Um, then please, please put <laughs> them into the comments. Um, so let's talk about it, Dan. Can you give us a bit of a summary on what happened with the stamp duty um, extension in oh, the budget? Okay. So in a nutshell, stamp duty was extended um, with the current relief up till the end of June. So it means it's technically another three months from where it was, or almost, well, three months and three weeks, almost four months from now. So it's a fairly big extension. I think we had an idea that could happen. We were all umming and ahhing, weren't we? But that's a fair amount of time. So from that point of view, I think it gives, um, it gives a lot of people who are going to be close to the wire the chance to get through. The question is, Will it give anyone brand new from now maybe that chance to get through by then as well? And the other key point of that as well is that I think it's up till September or October. September. End of September. They're going to cut up from that point. They're then going to make a 0% tax relief on up to 250000 meaning that there will be a £2,500 saving up to that level. And from that point, you'll be charged stamp duty 5% upwards, won't you? So, you know, the government, by the looks of things, have thought about it and said, well, we'll still have an option to taper it off so people still get some sort of saving after June, which I think is a lot smarter than what they did the first time round. Yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's um, quite a minor saving, but it's enough to keep people feeling confident. And I guess that's what it all comes down to is keeping the confidence there. If the banks are confident, if the developers are building and offering, you know, the banks at the moment are offering the first time buyer options, you know, they're keeping the bottom of the chain, the new builds, if they keep offering their incentives are keeping the top of the chains going. And then obviously the middle market is very much dictated by confidence. Dom. Yes, mate. You look like you wanted to say something, so I was coming to you. Yeah, well, yeah, it's kind of, it's not really stamp duty, but it's it's something that's that's occurred to me that we haven't talked about when it comes to this ninety five percent guarantee, because it, it the fundamental driver of of uh, uh, buying a house as well as a deposit is affordability, and what it doesn't do is tackle the issues where people's salaries will not multiply up to make the difference between what they need to borrow. So what I mean by that, and if you look at the stats, uh, so the, the average asking price, February 21 in the southeast is 414,000-ish. Uh, a 10% deposit on that's 41 grand, uh, but a 5% deposit is 20,000. But 
the actual salary that you'd need to buy that, you know, the maximum a lender will go to is four and a half times. So whilst this might suit people that have a decent income, but not a lot of deposit, uh, it, it doesn't necessarily tackle generation rent. I don't know what, what you guys think about that, but there is a fundamental issue that the government has not dealt with. So turning generation rent to generation buy is a good headline grabber, but it doesn't resolve the issues with affordability. Do you think this is where regionally the southeast, because of that average house price, when you look across the country, do you think that's where obviously this area is maybe at a deficit because they don't yeah. have that same level of impact? If we went up to the Midlands or up north where maybe the average house price sits more around 220, 230 as an example, um, yeah. that might be more impacting to the average tenant, whereas around here, not so much. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a, um, I'm, I'm not a radical thinker by any means, but I think that, that there's going to have to be some inward looking around how affordability is assessed because I, I get a lot of frustration from people who rent that say, well, I've been turned down for affordability, <clears throat> but I'm paying way more than that in rent and I can prove that I've paid my rent, but that doesn't seem to be taken into account. And I think there is a blind spot here that the, affordability rules are a bit of a blunt instrument and they don't cater for nuance and that isn't where banks are naturally fit um but some of the lenders that underwrite manually you know potentially could we see a drift towards a more manual underwriting process than just the simple calculations that the decision of principle systems run i don't know i'm just throwing it out there that it's an issue that's that remains particularly in the southeast i think when i was looking at buy to let mortgages over the last sort of 10 years the difference of when there's a manual um bit of underwriting done from a from an investment perspective from a buy to let perspective compared to when you've got tick box makes the process so much more logical because if affordability isn't an issue sometimes someone needs to have a bit of common sense and i know that's a word that in the property market um is not often used when we're talking conveyancing and banks and estate agents as well i think we're throwing that box but yeah i think it's a fair point don and um, I think around here, I'm more looking at, you know, an example of a property that I launched last night at 195, big two bed flat, 195, um, you know, ex council, Bracknell. If I'm a if I'm renting a two bed flat for 1100, 1150, and I look at that and I think I've got 12, 13 grand in the bank, even if I don't live in it, I still might look at, you know, that being the way of me being on the ladder and potentially over two years that bit of decorating change bit of elbow grease goes into it and it might be worth 210 well i've doubled my savings in that kind of two-year fixed rate window um which i probably couldn't do if i was trying to save across two years you know being in that position so i, I think it's how people look at it creatively as well but understand it's an option but definitely agree with you if you look at the average house prices in the southeast it's going to be pretty typical and i think on the average house prices as well around here that's why it's gone so bananas with the stamp duty holiday because most people had been saving somewhere between 10 and fifteen thousand pounds on the stamp duty when we look at that average house price you know from four to five and dan touched on a point there actually about three months extension means you've got four months from today can you get your property sold this weekend can you get it online Saturday, sold next week, 
and transacted with a closed chain. So you need a buyer closed chain below you. You need a closed chain above you. Can you get that done in four months? And I know that's not a straight yes or no, but that's really the question, Dan, isn't it? Is, <coughs> really is. are people going to start booking valuations next week? Kids go back to school on Monday. Are people going to see this as a, oh, maybe, maybe I could. And what are estate agents going to say in living rooms? That's going to be key to the market, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, and no doubt they will, right? And and, and you would. People will go, oh, stamp duty is being extended. And it'll put a smile on your face and think, I can I can make the most of this. Um, I think for me, and I've already had this conversation yesterday with somebody, actually, when I went and saw them. And I'll keep saying the same thing. If you happen to get it on the market, sold and get it through by then, it would have been a great job. I think actually that, you know, that you take it as a bonus saving that stamp duty, but do not still bank on it. Do not bring it into your savings. And that's the only reason why you'll move at the moment. That'd be my advice because you can't guarantee it. Um, it's a tight time scale, isn't it? And I don't want people to solely move for that reason and then not make it through. What do I think a lot of estate agents will say, <laughs> a lot of people will say out there is say, oh yeah, we'll get you done by then. Get on the market. And what you'll then see is a load of people moving for one particular reason. Loads of houses come to the market and chains fall through because of bad advice. Um, so I'd rather people just go into something honestly knowing what they're looking at than, than with false hopes. But it is still good news, but got to be honest. I think if you're under offer at the moment, you know, if you've got a mortgage application in, you've got a closed chain, you're not in a big link of, you know, six or seven, um, then surely, Andy, you would you would think, you know, being in the new homes game where 28 day exchange deadlines are often thrown on a thing of the past, maybe at the moment. But you would expect if you're in that situation, you're under offer now, you should be OK, subject to some real issues or maybe using a purple brick solicitor or something like that might throw a spanner in the works. But other than that, you should be OK, I would think. Um, it's more the people that are on the market now or thinking of coming on the market. Would, would you advise those to maybe look at new homes only, Andy, where there's a better chance of getting that through? Potentially, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of it goes back to how the deal's set up from day one. And it's, it's the solicitor you use, it's the mortgage advisor you use, and it's the estate agent stroke new homes developer that you you deal with now if the developer is worth their salt and they've got everything in place from a legal point of view the legal pack should all be sorted out if you use a solicitor that knows the development's already dealt with units and sales and the development it's going to make the transaction a whole lot quicker and easy because they've already answered the queries they've already know the, they already understand the contract when well, i'm telling you if you know but a contract on the new homes is it could be that thick. And if you're using a new solicitor, they've got to read through all that contract. So it's using a solicitor that knows and understands the development. And if you're using help to buy, it's using a mortgage advisor that fully understands the help to buy scheme. Because with the new scheme, there's still a lot of, I wouldn't say pitfalls, but there's still a lot of bumps in the road where even help to buy are sorting themselves out. So, you know, there's a couple of those which are taking a bit of time. <clears throat> so it's it's been able to help and guide, from my point of view, I'm not just in the process of selling a new home. It's, it's guiding and helping the buyer through the process, whether they're using a help to buy scheme, whether they're using a solicitor, is getting them in touch with the right people and making that journey for them as, as, as smooth as we can do. So there's a point that I think all of us can talk about, but it's always interesting to see after you've got to a certain point where a problem is flagged that you weren't expecting. 
And what I'm finding at the moment, and Dan, you might be finding the same thing, is a lot of people that maybe wouldn't have been able to move before capitalise on the stamp duty. Maybe they've got a flat or a small house. They've looked to buy a new build. And what they've done, Dom, is they've ported. They've gone, right, I'll port my mortgage over because it's before they were expecting to do it. It's outside of their timing. They've gone, right, let's do it. And what they've ended up doing is porting. And there's a new build in the chain. And we've now got to this point around, um, obviously, exchange deadlines and completions. And the new build developer at the top is effectively saying, here's a forecast for the completion of the plot. Um, put a long stop completion date on it, meaning there's a two month potential buffer. And we're now in a situation where the buyer at the bottom says, well, it's not my fault that the developer is not able to commit to a completion date. So I don't want to lose out on the stamp duty. I must complete on the 31st of March, latest. Or in this case, it could be the end of the, the second one. So it could be the end of June. Now, the problem happens that the, the chain can't split because the middle link has been based on a porting mortgage. And the bottom of the chain is saying, well, I'm not exchanging without an actual set completion date and the developer can't offer it. Now, this is becoming a real issue for me at the moment on quite a few transactions. And I'm just raising it for people watching because this is going to happen again in three months time. There isn't an answer to that. But what I would say, Dom, from your perspective is if people are porting with a new build, don't potentially, <laughs> I would say, because um, it's causing a problem. Um, I don't, there's not an answer from your perspective, Andy. I don't think that has to be the case. They can't guarantee the completion if, if it's not ready and signed off. But I would just say from a from a mortgage advisor's perspective, it's something that a lot of people should be aware of when starting the application or when starting the porting if they're involved in a new build is knowing if it's not build complete, it's going to impact people below and you can't split the chain and, and it's causing quite a big issue at the moment. Any kind of views on that, Dom? Are you finding that at all? Uh, well, I mean, we don't we don't do a lot of um, new build purchases, and we also don't see that much porting, to be honest. So um, <clears throat> everything you've said correct. I think there's there's going to be, you know, the tension that we've seen in different types of transactions uh, will continue. Another huge frustration is uh, cladding on flats and the dreaded EWS1 form. And we were talking about that last night. There's there's just a variety of, of perpetual issues that keep cropping up. And the more, I think the more that we can educate our clients and potential buyers and sellers to these particular issues, uh, the, the better service we're providing, frankly, because a lot of this stuff just drifts along, you know, and, and they crop up and it's sort of like, oh, what are we going to do about that then? Whereas actually if we can <clears throat> prepare people for those types of issues, uh, actually we're delivering more value than the competition. I think because people uh, a lot of the time work with, um, if you work with cheap, sometimes you work with inexperience and it's just something they don't understand. Um, I would imagine, Dan, you've been involved in a lot of chains where, you're probably progressing the whole chain for the agent because there's poor solicitors involved and, and the agents don't quite get that part of it. Um, what's the answer for the vendors on that, for the owners, for the buyers? You know, what, what's what's the solution to try and make sure this four month window actually happens as a four month window? Yeah, you're right. There's been quite a few scenarios recently. There's one that exchanged 
uh, two days ago with us in, in Lur early that I had to deal with the whole chain from bottom and, and above, but it's all worth it in the end. Um, my advice to people moving forward, what to be able to make sure that they get things through, um, use use us. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, but if not, I, I did a, I did a, um, uh, a blog a couple of months ago, actually, what's in January, and I call it um, squeaky wheel gets the oil. Um, so there's a couple of things to that. I think a you you mentioned it. Choose really good solicitors. You pay for what you get. Don't don't choose the cheap conveyancing ones uh, or the ones who just roll things through. Try and pick good ones. Um, be in contact with your agent as much as you can. Be in contact with your solicitors as much as you can. And don't worry if you know if you get to the point where you feel uncomfortable because you think you're speaking to them too much. That's absolutely fine because <laughs> that's what we're here for. Because um, communication is key throughout it. I, I'm fine that with with people through new builds, Andy. We've got people buying new build properties. As long as I'm in contact with the developer every couple of days, from my point of view, and I'm giving them an update what's going on, they're absolutely fine. But what I find too often is an estate agent might not do that, or somebody might not speak to somebody else, and that's when the panic stations start. So communication throughout is key, and having good people in place. Which kind of answers Mike's point. This is not me. Obviously, I'm Ian and Mike. Um, Mike's commenting a quick question and and exactly on that point. And Dom, do you think uh, is underwriting taking longer at the moment? And I'll call longer at the moment this year compared to the back end of last year. A surveyor is taking longer or is it actually easing up now? I mean, I'm finding mortgage valuations are getting booked in quicker than they were you know, sort of August, September, October, around that time, is underwriting speeding up? Or do you think they're less bogged down now with getting the mortgage offers through? Yeah, 100%. So we are, uh, it's not uncommon if you've got a nice, what I call a nice clean case, you know, there's no adverse in, in the credit history. Um, and it's nice, a nice straightforward demonstration of income. Uh, it's not impossible to get uh, an offer within a week. If they do, if they've, if they've done a desktop valuation, you know, from application to offer, five days is doable, and I've had those had those happen, and it's always delightful when it does. Um, the the lenders have have pretty much got themselves straight. You know, they they've worked through all of the <clears throat> having to work remotely, getting all their tech stacks sorted. You know, diverting people back from handling mortgage holidays back into new business. It's working well. Where you get pinches is in the adverse and self-employed is taking longer. So if you've got uh, an element of poor credit uh, and you have to take that to a specialist lender, they tend to underwrite and do due diligence very, very heavily and then value afterwards. Uh, they can take a while. Uh, self-employed are being disproportionately impacted in my view. Uh, and my advice to anybody in those categories is start talking to an advisor early and so that we can get that process underway and work out where the pitfalls might be and then take it to the right lender because you, you really can't afford false starts uh, but generally the tension in that part of the process has pretty much unwound we're, we're, we're ready to go and so are the lenders yeah i think it's it's valuable information it's for me it's the difference between someone that can advise on finance and advise on mortgages and someone that is very simply maybe working for a bank directly, that it, it just processes the application. Because we get to that point as well, where your 
you're the only person obviously in this chat and we've got probably a hundred years worth of property experience between the group of us so for a buyer thinking right i want to get the best deal and i need to get it through let's say we're eight weeks down the line so i need to get it through in eight weeks and the best lender might be x but actually for speed of mortgage offer they might be better off spending 12 pounds a month more and going with a different lender and that's the difference between using a mortgage advisor or financial advisor in comparison to someone that processes the application um i think that's where the value in experience comes in and and that's why you know someone like dom is is definitely worth speaking to if if you're thinking can i do it can't i do it it's going to be one of those and and that helps you andy as well i would imagine with we've obviously hitting those 28 day exchange deadlines and and with the new build market but andy you're a family man you know you've got kids um let's talk about kids going back to school on monday what impact do we think that's going to have on the property market <laughs> you know what's what's going to happen there because i was talking to someone on their doorstep last night when we um we were kind of just agreed an offer on on their property they've got a two bed they're buying a three bed um and they were saying you know there's not much about family homes is not much about for free beds and I said well I think next week you know we've got a packed diary of valuations and you would expect to see homeschooling you know is gone now for whenever it may come back we don't know but do we see an influx of maybe family ceiling now is the time to move you know it's it's a general question rather than new homes one but what do you think Andy do you think people are gonna gonna want to make that move now that the kids have gone back to school will that help yeah I think so. I think so yeah I think that I think the times of laptops on the kitchen table or laptops in the bedroom where you used to do your makeup <coughs> not me but my <laughs> wife used to do her, used to her makeup as ian stop it um is i think people are getting now tired of that and if they can see that there's an affordability for them to upstep now and get something that enables them to work from home at an affordable rate then i think it's all it's all good it's all going to be good for the housing market i think with the developers talking selfishly about new homes with there's there's a scheme i'm i'm working on with a, a developer at the moment that they've set aside a number of rooms for home working which they hadn't done at the beginning of summer of last year so they changed their planning around and have now set aside so these four bedroom detached houses have now got home offices where they wouldn't have done last year so i think there's going to be a lot of um choice for the buyers so rather than just upgrading from a three-bedroom to a four-bedroom house where they might get an extra bedroom or they might get a bigger lounge, they're actually getting something that is a requirement for them in terms of the home working. Sanjay talks about um, first-time buyers to dominate, which we've, we've kind of touched on. Um, and is it going to impact the apartment market? And we talk about the foundations of the property market and, and obviously the apartment market with the amount of new builds that have been built over the last 15 years is, is a huge one. Um, really struggled last year after lockdown. Floods of apartments came to the market and they really struggled. They were the supply and demand scale was very much tipped. But this year is is quite an interesting year for apartments, I think, because you know the government have said towards the end of the year there's going to be a new policy in place which will take control of the freeholders in reality and allow more peppercorn kind of ground rents and millennium lease leases, which you know is almost going to put a lot of um apartments and leaseholds into a model of a freehold without actually calling it that um mm -hmm. so if this first time buyer products available you know as don mentioned maybe the 415 price bands the 95 percent loan to value is is not such an option 
but down at the kind of 200 grand band for a nice new one bed, 225, 250 for a two bed, that sort of price range. Um, maybe we are going to see a kind of resurge of prices, you know, and, and sales for apartments. Are you finding it easier this year, Dan, to sell apartments? I mean, I think I probably am. I think there's, there's, yeah. there's apartments selling that wouldn't have sold six months ago that seem to be moving now. Yeah, we, we've had some, we put on the market and we sold them in five days, a couple of them. Um, uh, it, you know, again, when you're selling the property, it comes down to the marketing and the price point you put it on that to make sure you're sensible. But there are people, there's no doubt there's people out there who want to view and buy apartments. That, that's not the, tr the, the trouble. <clears throat> I think the trouble's been the last sort of maybe three to five years where people have been stung at the price they originally bought them for, where they have come down a little bit. It's been difficult to come to terms with what, what they might be worth now. But um, I, I, do, I do think that it's been easier this year so far. And I think with all the options that are coming in, it's going to help that move forward. And I hope it does, because actually, if there's more first time buyers or even if there's people that want to buy with the relief, if that carries on for the 250,000, it's going to make a big difference. And they're the people that then buy the houses, aren't they? And the houses then go up the chain. So I think we need it because the more the more the starter of the market that, that moves, the better for everybody in there. You were looking to move home definitely no it's been it's been good to talk because you know i know i've got a lot of insight from from all three of you myself so hopefully a lot of people have as well quick fire questions to put some people on the spot me as well don't worry fear not <laughs> so um first thing prices 2021 going into 2022 i'll come to you first andy because um you're above me within this video and and you start with an a so what do you think uh property prices are going to do um do you think property prices over 2021 are going to go stationary do you think they're going to go up do you think they're going to rocket do you think they're going to drop or do you think they're going to plummet what's kind of what would you say up. i think they're going to go up I think they're going to go up. I don't, I don't think it's going to. I don't think it's going to rock it, but I think you're going to see a, a four to five percent increase over the next uh, seven or eight months up until the end of the year. And if you're one of the people watching, we'd love your comments on this question as well. Property prices: rocket, up, stationary, down, plummet. Let us know what you think. Just fire it in there, one word. Dan, what about you? Similar to Andy, I think they're going to go up. I don't think they're going. To, they're not going to skyrocket. But they're not going to, I don't think they're going to drop. I think there's going to be, they're going to go up. I think certain commodities might stay flat. So I still think apartments, for example, will hold their value at the moment. But I think they'll be easier to sell. I think more people will look to buy them. Um, but I think in general, the market will go up a bit. Good. Dom, your views? Yeah, I think, um, I think, a, uh, you know, a steady increase. I, I'm, I'm numbers driven. That might surprise you guys. Probably not. Uh, <laughs> annual change in the southeast. Feb 20 to Feb 21 was 2.6, but you got big regional swings there. Northwest was 7.3. Uh, so I agree, they will they will increase, but we won't see it going potty. It will just be a steady a steady climb. Supply and demand, you know, it's basic, isn't it? Well, I think if you look at you know the statistics, Dom, you look at the the UK map um, for the last six nine months, you've seen basically every region increasing in price one way or another bar Aberdeen Aberdeen always seems to be the one area that that's going down which I would imagine is something to do with the oil there or something but other than that the whole of the UK is is pushing up which is always a good statistic to see um, apart from London 
apart from, apart from, well, even London, you know, generally speaking, when you look at those statistics, there's marginal increases. Um, before I get to me, Alex has jumped in here with a question. We've got a house on, uh, up for sale at 695. We're looking to buy around 590. What stamp duty are we looking at? Thanks. Um, well, if you're going to get it through in the next four months, then you're looking at paying 5% on the 90, which Dan has calculated as four and a half grand. Um, if that goes after September, which you'd like to think, if you're on the market at 695 um, and you're looking to buy at that price range, you'll get it through in that time scale, then it would be slightly different because it would be free up to the 250. But four and a half K. It'd be 17,000 pounds if it's up till September. Then after that, it's 19 and a half. There we go. So quick maths with Dan. Love the fact you've got the Casio out there. Good work. <laughs> um, hope well, that helps, Street, Alex. Um, I don't know. If you're on the market with one of the avocado guys, I'm sure you'd be fine. If you're on with anyone else, give us a call and then you'll be fine. Um, so <laughs> I would probably say it's the best way around that. Can I say that on these? I think so. Thanks. He says yes. Thank you, Alex. I think prices over the next kind of, let's say, 20 months, uh, my expectation is that up to 750 in this southeast area, I think we're going to see a steady increase. I think it will go up. Um, I don't know whether it will around the million pound market kind of semi plateau um, as a lot of businesses are potentially going to be in, impacted with with some other bits and bobs. Um, Alex likes that comment. We like <laughs> it. Um, Next, next round of quick fire questions. That wasn't that quick, actually, but it was quite important that we got that off. Um, it's World Book Day today. Dan, you look like a book guy. Um, what is <laughs> what is your favourite book? Um, I'll be honest with you. I've only ever read a couple of books, really. A couple of ones with work and things, which I, I won't uh, we'll talk about that stuff. One I did read, though, which I think everyone should read, is called Playing for Pizza which um, it's about this guy who's an American football player and he, he has loads of nightmares in the end of his career. He ends up going living in Italy and he, he basically, the moral of it is, rather than playing for money, he plays for pizza, but he still loves the sport. And I think there's an element of that you can take into life, right? Don't have to do stuff for money, you do it because you like it. And, and that's what he refound his roots. So I like that story. I, I love pizza, so I'm going to read that book. Um, Andy, favourite book? You're definitely a book guy. No, I'm not. I don't like books. I don't like read books. One thing I would read, though, is a somebody's done a guide. Um, oh, it was me. A guide to buying a new home. Why buy a new home? So if you go on my website, www.meadnewhomes, in the buyer section, there's a downloadable brochure about why buy a new home and what the difference is in the new homes nowadays. So that's my favourite book. In live TV, that's what we call in the game a plug. <laughs> Never miss a trick, mate. You know that. <laughs> Dom, talk to me about books. What's your what's your favourite book on World Book Day? Uh, <clears throat> my favourite book, my wife's going to love this, is uh, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success, Deepak Chopra. Give it a read. It, it, it'll be life-changing. Uh, the book I'm reading now, it's a, bit, it's a bit different. It's called Sex, Robots and Vegan Meat. <laughs> but it's a good read. I promise you. It, 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 don't, don't judge it by the title. It's great. Has it got a have you got an audio link to that? Is it an audio book? Is that one to, to listen to while I'm running? Uh, yeah, get it. It's a bit it's a bit strange. It's a bit strange what's <laughs> going on in the world, but a bit of an eye opener. Yeah, you can get it on Audible and, and uh, other other online outlets are available. I like it. Good. Um, I go with Legacy. If anyone's um, ever read the book, I listen to it on, as an audio book. Legacy. It's all about the All Blacks. It's all about their culture. Um, it's a little bit about leadership as well. 
and it's definitely my favorite book i've listened to it three times not quite as crazy as dom's um but if you want to <laughs> if you, if you want to get a good insight into the culture of the all blacks then um that's a good one last quick fire round um obviously man city are going to win the league who's who's going to be the next three in the top four um you know this is this is a very this is almost as important as the budget in reality so um uh, andy as a leeds fan um, obviously, it won't be Leeds, but uh, who would you think will, will make up the other top four? Uh, I'm still going for Leeds second. Um, <laughs> and if Leeds aren't second, they'll be third. And if they're not third, they'll be fourth. So that's my top four. Leeds, Leeds, Leeds. Nobody okay. else matters to me, mate, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. Good to know. Uh, Dan? Obviously, Man City are going to win. I'm I'm a Liverpool fan, which has been a very difficult few weeks for me. But I still think you'll see us come back strong into the, the season, even though we've lost a lot of players. So I think Liverpool will be in the top four, but I think we'll only squeeze in a fourth. Um, probably Chelsea and Leicester. I think I think Chelsea now you've got the new manager will keep the legs, and I think this time round Leicester will will keep it going all season rather than tailing off. West Ham aren't going to stay up there, are they? Everton will. No, no rubbish. So. <laughs> That's what I think. Dom, who do you support, Dom? Uh, I'm an Arsenal fan. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's been a it's been a painful period since you know, mm. since the Queen was a baby. No, um, <clears throat> Leicester are going to choke because they always do, and they got a really bad uh, injury list. I don't think Everton will make it. So it's going to be Man U, Chelsea, and. Uh, Liverpool probably. I think they'll 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 make a bit of a comeback. Wait for you to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I think um I think Chelsea second. I think I think Leicester will hold on, and I'm not a fan of United, so I reckon Everton might nip them. <laughs> so, uh, there we go. Gents, awesome chat, 45 minutes of gold. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of snippets in there. If you're watching this all the way through to the end and we're not live, still comment. We'll answer your questions. And we're going to pop this as a download, throw it on YouTube so it's available for people to watch whenever. Um, we'll share it on our platforms as well. And I uh, appreciate everyone's value and contributions. And uh, enjoy the rest of the day, gents. Yeah, thank you. Cheers, Cheers guys. Later.